You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 3800 Marlton Pike, Pensacon, New Jersey. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.net. Some things get repeated so often that we start to think they're true, which is actually good news, because if we repeat the truth, we might actually believe that it's true. <laughs> Uh, but it's not often so simple as that. Uh, so much of our thinking is dominated by conventional wisdom that just kind of gets in our brains and our hearts. We, we didn't put it there. We didn't like make a decision to follow conventional wisdom, and yet we are very much shaped by it. Uh, I think conventional wisdom is, is really just stuff that people say a lot, and you know we just get used to it, and then it's true somehow. But not if you look at it. No, <laughs> I didn't mean that even though that's how I've been acting and that's how I've been feeling and that's kind of how I see myself in the world. I don't mean that. You know, that, that's what we're working on here. That, the the uh, litany that I led us in was based on 1 Corinthians chapters 1 through 3, which is making this, this, this real distinction between the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of the cross. They don't fit together that well. And we want to be, be conformed to, to Jesus and to the cross. And that takes some, some doing. So we've been looking at things that Jesus never said. And here's one. Love the sinner, hate the sin. Y'all have heard this, right? You never, you ever heard anyone say that? God bless you. Well, now I'm talking about it. Uh, and, and hopefully you'll get something from, from what I'm saying, and we can start you on, on the right track without having to deprogram whatever it is that, that, you, that you haven't received, but many of us have. We are talking about sin, so, uh, you know, it must be Christian. Sin and Christian, those are like the same thing, you know, right? That, 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 that's, I think that's uh, kind of how the world sees us, because uh, no one else really cares about sin, uh, right? I'm not, I'm not so sure, but they, they certainly don't like the word um, and the way that it's been applied. I, I like this definition that my uh, Johnny Rashid, one of our pastors, uh, got from one of his professors, which is a uh, sin is anything that diminishes life. Very broad definition. And I think everyone cares about what diminishes life. Everyone might find that more compelling, uh, especially if we maybe flip it around and, and talk about uh, whatever the opposite of sin is, is abundant life. And, and that's what Jesus said in John 10, is that he came to, so that we might have life and abundantly. People care about that. I care about that. And as a Christian, I don't only care about sin. Though if you ask 100 people what Christians care about the most, family feud style, you know, Steve Harvey's going to say good answer to sin. Uh, because that's what we seem to care about. Why is that? Why are Christians so obsessed with sin? You might not have an, an- You might have an answer for that. And you can tell me about it later, but I'm moving on. I don't, I don't, I don't, I, we're not, we're not monolithic. We don't even, I, I, I don't know. But I, but I do have a guess. I, and, and it's coming from my experience. I don't, I don't know if it's right or, or even if it's verifiable, but, but something about it feels right. The, the phrase, love the sinner, hate the sin, it rings like a corrective for the, the norm, which is actually hate the sinner. Hate sinners is really what we're trying to fix there. This is like, no, 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 don't hate sinners. Love them. 
the phrase love the sin or hate the sin is is, is kind of uh, a desperate plea like let's not do that no don't do that i know i know that's what we've been doing but let's not it's a valiant effort to guide us toward loving people even if we don't love what they do and in the right circumstances it could be useful I, I imagine, but but I think it's mostly a line of thinking that allows us to hold on to hate. And this is kind of my main point. Uh, that's what we really want. We want to be able to hate something. Really anything, you know? So sin, that's a better thing than a human being. Uh, the thing behind the thing here is that that we like to hate. And remember, when I say we, I don't mean me or you. I mean like we, the we, that it, that is... Uh, conventional wisdom and maybe the the seed of the we that is the human condition maybe maybe it's so big as that it might just be cultural but it could be deeper than that because in many ways we're, we're still influenced by that we even if we've chosen to follow jesus that that conventional wisdom shapes us and 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 makes us and we we want to reorient ourselves to love all love not love and hate only love Love the sinner, hate the sin is an old idea, though. Uh, so old that you might think that it's in the Bible. St. Augustine uh, came up with something like it. He was this North African bishop in the 5th century, and he's credited with one of the original expressions of this idea. A letter that he wrote in 424 to the leader of a monastery of nuns contains the phrase, see if I can say the Latin, Cum delectione hominem et odio vitorium. Vitiorium. Whatever. I just like to <laughs> I just put that up there. It translates roughly to with love for humankind and hatred of sins. Gandhi got it closer to uh, its popular form today in his autobiography, uh, though it seems like he's already responding to a well-known saying whenever he wrote this in the early uh, 1900s. Um, Hate the sin and not the sinner, is a precept which, though easy enough to understand, is rarely practiced. And that is why the poison of hatred spreads in the world. It is quite proper to resist and attack a system, but not to res- but to resist and attack its author is tantamount to resisting and attacking oneself. I think that that last part is exactly why this phrase has become so popular. We actually uh, want to attack ourselves. There's this strange comfort in knowing where we stand, even if it's on the wrong side of some line. And I think most of us want to believe we're on the right side of the line. And and that's another reason why we argue about sin all the time, because usually other people's sin is what we want to talk about, not our own. Because we want to be right, and we want to feel right. We want to have a very well-defended position. But the downside of that debate is that we know ourselves too well to know that we are actually righteous. So there's this kind of tension. I'm trying to be right all the time, but I know that I'm not. (laughs) And so we're having this kind of external thing instead of dealing with the internal thing that's going on on the inside. And we know the internal. Everyone does. No one is so blind that they don't actually know themselves. And and, and we might might be comfortable there. We might be comfortable in that tension, in, in hating something. You know, even if it's ourselves, at least for me, you know, I I have found that it is easier to hate myself than to love God. The path of least resistance is self-hatred, not love for God. Even if it's even if love for God is what I'm made for, I, I I'm drawn to hating myself because 
uh, I can see everything that I do. I can know everything I want to do and be puzzled at how I do the opposite. I'm so intimately connected with my thoughts and feelings and actions. (coughs) Excuse me. I just seem so concrete. That level of specificity, you know, it's just so easy to hate. And hate is a very conveniently powerful emotion. It's very visceral. You know, something's happening when I'm hating. You know? Remember in 1984, that that book that George Orwell wrote? They have the, how many minutes of hate is it? The two minutes hate? It's just, you know... The, the 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 overlords big brother is getting us to to really feel something to bind us together so we can do this crazy dystopian future it's like that you know i i, I that resonates with me i i get why hate is so powerful because i feel it in myself it's solid so so here's the thing what if what if when i was hating myself i was actually loving god what if, what if we made that connection? What if hate for myself was a way that I could be in, in communion with God, the Father of all things? If every time I despised myself, I was just being devoted to my God. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be grand? If the easy way of my feeling, that, that thing that felt so strong in my hand, was the way that I loved God? We're so attracted to the raw reality of hatred that we made a whole system about it, a whole theology of God's wrath and and our utter depravity. We really dug into our hate and made it a part of our love, and I really wish we hadn't done that. I really wish we hadn't. I mean, I get why we did. I I totally understand it. When When I first became a Christian and I was 18 years old, I was very zealous, I was trying to get everything right. And I, I, I think a lot of people start here. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not ashamed of this, of this 18-year-old anymore. Uh, I, had, I had done things as a teenager that I regretted, things I knew were wrong but didn't care enough not to do. And in that, that trying to get it right, I decided to memorize Psalm 51 and, and repeat it just fervently. Uh, Psalm 51 is the, the famous prayer that David wrote after he violated Bathsheba and murdered her husband. David the king, who wrote a lot of the Psalms, has this intense experience of his own sinfulness and just ruins lives, you know, across the board. And, and, he, and he's, he's feeling it, and he writes this psalm of repentance. But here's the thing. I mean, and, and I, w- I would repeat that, and I would just like, you know, beat my breast and I you know I don't think there's there's nothing inherently wrong about that but that's that's where I was I I needed to feel something I want I wanted to follow Jesus I wanted to do something and and this this feeling was was helpful for me but now when I read it or even when I when I when I remember it in my my head because I still have most of it memorized uh it starts with have mercy upon me according to your unfailing love that's different. It's different than the, the way I was using it. I was misusing Psalm 51. It's actually, you know, for, for, for how it's remembered as this psalm of repentance, most of it is about celebrating the goodness of God. Most of it is about loving God's goodness and God's capacity and God's nature to forgive. 
only God can save David from the mess that he has created in the world around him and on his insides. That's the focus of, of the psalm, not his sin. That's, and that's the reorientation that I want us to embrace today. If you're like me and you gravitate toward feeling bad about yourself, even hating yourself, we must turn to love, not to hate. Because you could hate yourself for hating yourself. You could do that. I do it all the time. You know, what, what, what do you, no, love. Let me get back on love. We cannot connect with God who is the source of our healing through self-hatred. You might get, you might get a little bit down the line that way. I'm not saying, I'm not, like when I was 18, I got somewhere, but I don't feel that way way anymore. It did correct my behavior. I got better. I didn't do the things that I regretted anymore. But using hate to get to where you want to go with God is not the way that Jesus made for us. So what did Jesus actually say about this? Jesus said to the woman in John 8, neither do I condemn you, go and sin no more. That's John 8, 11. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. That's Matthew 5, 48. And I think that these are kind of the bases of Augustine's project about sin. Augustine and and a bunch of other church leaders throughout history were super serious about helping people sin no more and even striving towards perfection. I think that's the good seed of what they were trying to do. They just went about it in in a way that that was magnetized toward hate. The the tendency was probably in us from the start, but what might have been a characteristic of our wayward hearts Uh, that was in need of gentle guidance by the shepherd back to his love, that became a whole system of laws and theology organized, organized around moral failures and fueled by our taste for hate. But what does Jesus actually say? He says, sin no more. I don't condemn you. Not, I condemn your sin, go and hate it well. He says, be perfect, not hate your imperfection. Will we ever stop hating? Will we ever get down to the business of sinning no more or being perfect? If we want to do that, and I I think that we ought to think we can because Jesus told us to and we can trust him to help us. If we're going to do it, we're not going to get there by hate. We're going to get there only by love. We stop sinning because we recognize who we really are. We are God's beloved. If we believe that and if we live out of that, then we can't continue to hate ourselves. It just doesn't work. We start acting out of the purity of Jesus' righteousness, which he has given to us by claiming us as his own brothers and sisters and making us children of God. So I'm getting into memorizing scripture again. I told you I memorized Psalm 51, and as fraught as that exercise was with my youthful zeal, and and it had too much self-condemnation, the memorizing was really good for me. I got it into my heart. Maybe maybe it means what it does to me now because it was there long enough, you know? I didn't understand it, but it got in there, and it means something to me now. Memorizing scripture is a way to to work those cognitive thoughts of of reading deeper. Oh, I'm sorry, those cognitive thoughts of reading deeper down into you. 
down below your thinking. And this is a good thing because as we're praying, the wisdom of Christ is, is a mystery. Remember, that's what we were praying. The, these things were hidden. And they're, they're hidden from us now still. We're, we're still re- being revealed. And so what we need to know is best known heart to heart, spirit to spirit. We know it on like a different level. So for me, the act of memorizing scripture is a, a meditative practice. And it, it keeps, uh, it's the keeping of it memorized uh, is another way to meditate. It's like I have to maintain my memorization. So when it, whenever I think of one line, I got to say the whole thing. I stopped doing that with Psalm 51, so I don't think I could do, if I practiced for a couple minutes, I could probably get Psalm 51. But I've been practicing other things of late because I think that uh, memorizing scripture is, it, it, it has this kind of concreteness that hate has, you know? Uh, oh, it, it's words, you know? And I'm going to maintain this memorization. Am I, am, I, am, I make, am I making myself clear? I'm trying to endorse scripture memorization to you. Uh, because for me, it's been this kind of meditative process. It's something I can do when my head is just swirling, you know? It's, it's, it's something that I can devote myself to, and it feels like I'm doing something when I want to sit down and pray, and I can't. Oh, well, let me just memorize this scripture. Let me work on this thing that Jesus said to me. So I'm memorizing 1 John 3 this week because it has one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible, and it speaks to, it speaks to this conversation. If our hearts condemn us, and God knows everything. I need, I need somebody to shout that at me. You don't know it. You, you, you're just trying to get, get your heart around your 18-year-old self. You know, that's how far you've gotten. God knows everything. It's good news. There's more in 1 John 3 that we need to know, too. Here, here's another one. How about someone read that one? Beloved, do not let yourselves be led astray. The one who does right is righteous, just as Christ is righteous. I, I feel like John in this letter is, is is directly combating the self-condemnation and hatred to which we are attracted. John seems to be talking to people who are worried that they, they cannot be righteous. That righteousness in a human body is impossible because everything is evil except for the things above and the spiritual things. The kind of historical term for this fight that they were having is Gnosticism. There's this separation in the universe, spiritual, unspiritual. And so if I'm acting in a human body, nothing I do can be good. That's what John's talking. So he says, those who do right, they are righteous, just as Christ is righteous, because Christ was a human body too, and Christ was righteous, and you have Christ's righteousness. Don't think that what you do doesn't matter. You matter. Matter matters. <laughs> that's the argument that's happening. When we say love the sinner, hate the sin, I think that we're kind of, we're kind of participating in that sort of separation. Maybe, maybe it's full-blown Gnosticism. I don't know. But, but separating us out as if we weren't our action 
as if what we did here in this body were something else than, than who we really are? Or when God says you're not a sinner, did he not mean it? <laughs> when, when God claimed you as his own, is he wrong? Is that who you really are? Or is just a part of you that? Is there some separation? You the, the, the ethereal Ben is saved in Christ, but this one can't do anything right. It's kind of mainstream Christian theology, unfortunately. And I think it's where, uh, and, but, but it's not. Like if you read the theology books, it's not there. No, people don't really believe that, at least not universally. There's lots of people who would say no to that. No, don't say that. But, but the pop theology, the things that Jesus never said are the ones we believe because people keep saying it. Love the sinner, hate the sin. Separates us, makes us into something we're not. I think it's probably uh, what John is teaching us is that we are not divided within ourselves, just as Jesus is not divided within himself. There's a unity in love that is at the center of everything, and we're invited into it. And actually, I think it's probably better to say we're allowed to leave it or we're allowed to pretend that we aren't there because Jesus has already included us in it. Here's one more. Someone read that one to us. Verses three and four. Beloved, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we would be like when Christ appears. We are made pure by having the hope of Jesus in our hearts and the confidence that when we see him, we shall be like him, for we will see him as he is. It's another path to go towards go and sin no more and be perfect. Love righteousness, hope in Christ, love him, love your brothers and sisters. These are John's recommendations for the project. He doesn't ignore sin, and that's in his letter too, but this here is the heart of his message. These are the means for the project of abundant life. Love righteousness, hope in Christ, love your brothers and sisters. That's a much more powerful way than hating sin. But it's not so immediate, not so something you can hold in your hand. I found this to be true in my own spiritual journey too. Discipline of any kind uh, is better conceived as addition than subtraction. Discipline is, is more about adding something than taking something away. When I notice something about my behavior that I don't like, when I keep doing that thing that I, that I might want to hate... <laughs> Uh, it, it never works for me to uh, say, stop doing that. Stop it. Stop it. Like that. Like I, I, I start there. That's where I want to get like, stop it. You know, stop doing that. What's better is to convince myself that I want something else. No, I don't want that. What I want is this. I want the thing that Jesus has called me to. I want connection with God. I want intimacy with my partner. Like, a marriage relationship is a great place to slap your hand because you, you always do the things you don't want to do with the person you love. So, no, I want a good relationship with Gwyneth. I don't want to just not be my dumb self. 
you know? I, I have to be striving towards the good. I have to be desiring the truth, hoping for who I am, who I already am, and, and live in that direction. It's, it's like that. It's kind of in a direction. It, it doesn't always feel like I'm there, I'm, but I'm headed somewhere. So if you want to sin no more or be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect, love Jesus and celebrate his presence in all that you see. It's better to say, love the sinner and love their righteousness. See the good that they do and praise it. See the good that you do and desire more of it. Oh, I did the thing. You know, this is basic kind of discipline thing. Even if you're just like, um, I don't know, give me another practice that's hard for you to do. That you like, you're working on it. Giving, forgiving, yeah. So like, you could hate your frozen cold heart. You know, man, I'm such a, I, I, I my heart is so hard. You know, you could have that story, or you could, you could say, I want to live in the abundant life of the the kingdom of heaven that's coming. I want, I want to see uh, something impossible happen between me and her. <laughs> I, I, I want that. I really, of course you want that. I want that. And so I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to have to do what it takes to get there. And, and there are other steps between the goal and where you are now. But I think desire and where you want to go is how you really get there. Otherwise, you'll just go back to your addiction. You know, you'll go back to your, your stuck ways. You go back to what you're used to, whatever you're comfortable, to actually be transformed you need to be conformed to a new desire. And I think that's what John is leading us towards in his letter. You know, you could say, oh, there I go again. I'm such a sinner. Or you might say, wait, this isn't who I am. I'm already a child of God. And when Jesus appears, I'm going to be like him. I don't even know what that really even totally means, but it, I want it. I want to, I want to, I want to, when Jesus comes, I want to be like him. I don't, I don't know exactly what that means, but I, but I, I really do want that. So the project that I've been, I've been working on is, is getting these difficult mysteries kind of into my heart. I've been practicing first John three, haven't made it all the way through, but I like, I like the difficulty of a really long one. You know, I think three chapter three is like 24 verses long or something like that. Um, and I, I, I like working on it. I woke up the other day reciting it. I like that. I want that. I, I want to wake up reciting scripture, the words, of, the words of Brother John, who taught me so much about Jesus. That's what I want. And so I keep at the discipline. And I tell people that I'm doing it, like I just told you. You know, Ask me next week to recite 1 John 3 to you. See if I made it there. Um, and it, it's similar like that. You know, we're, 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 we have this project together. Oh, and we will bear very good fruit. But apart from you, we can do nothing. We are connected. We're in the vine together. So let's, let's do something. Let's have this project together. Let's spur each other on towards good deeds. So like I said, love the sinner. That's all of you. That's me. We're not, we're not, we're not, chained. We're not saying that's not true. I sin. And love their righteousness. You know, I, I love what you do. I, I loved it when you did that. Oh, my gosh. I think you just, like, did something that you didn't want to do. You didn't want to do that, did you? That was good. That was good when you did that. It's another reason we organize in cells is so we could actually know someone enough to know what they didn't want to do and encourage them towards what they need to do and, and what we want to do. We're, we're spurring each other on 
not holding each other back away from the things that you shouldn't do. You know, we're, we're headed in a direction. We're not stopping. And like I said, when I was 18, it was good to be contrite. Um, but I needed more. And that's what I think Jesus is inviting us into. He's inviting us into more than hate the sin or love the sin. There's much more than that. Oh, I said hate the sin or love the, love the sin. That sounds terrible. <laughs> love the sin or hate the sin. There's more to it than that. Uh, there's go and sin no more. And we can actually do something about it. Like you could sin no more. That's kind of crazy. Let, let's go in that direction. Team, come on up. Let's worship. Let's respond to that. And, and I'll pray as you do. Jesus, you are our righteousness and our holiness and our redemption. We have nothing more than you. And apart from you, we can do nothing. It doesn't fit the wisdom of this age. It's another sort of wisdom. The wisdom we learn by knowing you. So we trust with you, we will bear very good fruit. With you, we will go and sin no more. We will be perfect. We will be righteous as you are righteous. May that fill us up. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.